You're listening to the Hard Money Podcast, hosted by the economic activist himself, founder of Rad Diversified, CEO of Tax Auction Investors, and the visionary behind the American Survivalist Project, Dutch Mendenhall. Let's start this podcast. So, um, Pam and Ray, welcome. Happy to have you guys. Thank Excited you. to you. see you here in California. Yeah. We're excited to be here. How long have you been here? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. 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 We rolled in. Days. Yep. Rolled in. Rolled in. I think that's one of the kind of cool things I wanted to talk about today is like the lifestyle that you guys have chosen because it's a fun, exciting lifestyle that is different than like traditional, right? Right. right. And it's kind of alternative. So, um, like, tell tell people about your lives. I mean, there's a lot of reasons you're on here today, and I can. I'll tell, I can introduce more about you guys and stuff to people, but the reality is like you're very real people and friends and I'm excited about like sharing some of the cool stuff in your life with people. So tell people about your guys' lifestyle. Well, back in October of 29. Lifestyle. 29th. Lifestyle. I think I'm like telling people like tell them about your swinger lifestyle or something. (laughs) (laughs) Swinger lifestyle. We, we, uh. Packed our bags, sold our house in uh, October of ni- uh, 2019, 2019 and uh, hit the road. I mean, uh, it was our plan and our dreams to do it for since we've been together, basically, because neither one of us traveled very much when we were younger. And even our kids didn't think we were going to do it. So they were shocked when we left. And Ray worked out in the weather his whole life, so he was ready to get out of the snow. So he told me, he he had been retired for five years, and he said, Pam, you can either retire and go with me, or you can come visit me. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm leaving. I'm not going to see another cold day. So I said, well, I guess I'll retire and go. And, you know, it took some getting used to, you know, um, packing up, moving every so many weeks, however long you decide to stay. We usually stay anywhere from a week to three weeks, maybe so a month. it's an RV lifestyle. It's yeah. an RV that, lifestyle. Is that how you describe it? Is, yes. Does, does that lifestyle have like a community name? Like like where if like you get like on a site and you're traveling and stuff? Oh, there's lots of uh, RV sites. You can, a lot of times, like we have a Fleetwood. So manufacturers of your RVs, there's a, um, websites for those and, and uh, Facebook sites and it's just, I guess RV, RVing yeah. would be what you would look under. That's cool. That's cool. What's and then being together 24-7, that's, that's... That's tough. That's very tough. That's tough. Yeah. No you, matter how much you love <laughs> the other person, that's tough. It really is it tough. Is. But we stay in the warmer weather, so it's not like we're stuck inside. You know, we go out. We're out. I can go for a walk if he, you know, gets on my nerves or... <laughs> he can take off and do the same. So Vanessa and I have a rule that we established about a year into marriage, right? So when we dated, it was always, I was running, right? So I was on the road. I was going to different properties in different <coughs> parts of the country. I was just doing constantly, you know, running around on the road and stuff. And so then we got married, like you said, 24-7, seven days a week together. And we just established a rule about a year into marriage, like one weekend a month we're apart. Like spend forty eight hours, two days. She goes somewhere, I take the, I go somewhere, she takes, 
that's a rule of our marriage. Like, we can't do that RVing. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's a choice. Yeah, <laughs> you could spend a day. You could spend a day apart. Right? Yeah, could, if you choose to. Normally, if things get a little rough, she goes on a walk, or you know, and we both. What's your biggest argument about? Uh, probably work. Yeah. Because he wants to be the boss, and I want to be the yeah, boss. Yeah, we were both bosses. <laughs> we were both bosses. <laughs> and I want it done my way. He wants it done his way. We'll talk about work. You retired. Right. You got bored. So what's work life like for you guys now? Um, well, we do the um, the maintenance for Houston mm-hmm. remotely most of the time. In the wintertime, we go to Houston and stay there for three to five months, depending on what our schedule is. Um and, and we can just do it whenever we want to do it, you know. I guess we can get up and do it in the morning and then take off and, and, and do what we want to do. Or we can do something in the morning, come back in the afternoon. We just do it whenever we want to do it. So let me give everybody context. So Pam and Ray run our Houston market for us. Um, they're inner circle members, entrepreneurs, right, um, business owners, and investing in real estate, investing with us. And um, Ray has a strong, you know, general contracting background and Pam has a strong ground strong background of, of you know administration and, and and managing things and so you know I had asked them if they could you know if they wanted to help or maybe they asked me if they could help I don't know no, how you it asked worked. us yeah I asked <laughs> you if you wanted to help and you guys and said, I said yeah. no, I said no at first yeah at <laughs> Ray first. said yes yeah I said yes at first yeah but you guys are you know have gotten really involved and went from kind of helping to you know running the rehabs and 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 running maintenance and and you know, it's pretty cool. I, I, I like it because it's, you know, someone we can trust to do it. And, and you know, you guys get to make extra money with part of your retirement, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So it's pretty cool. Right. And I it keeps really our mind working. It. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, the hardest part is staying on top of uh, new contractors. And because the old contractors we used to have, uh, they get busy and then they don't have time for us. So. Uh, but I mean, there's really no, not a major bump in the road at all. It's, it's been really pretty easy and a lot of, a lot of fun, really. A lot of fun. I love working with, with Molly. Mm-hmm. I work real closely with her and help her out in, in a lot of her work as well. So, so for podcast nation, who's not as familiar with our real estate, Molly runs all our property management. Molly's also my sister-in-law, um, which is crazy when you think of Molly's background, she was a music therapist mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. when dory came over my brother to work um on the real estate part of our business she just kind of came over and started helping and then she took over property management you know for a 70 million dollar portfolio now mm-hmm. it's the total portfolio and that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty lot incredible that she you know owns it and i mean handles it like a beast so yes she does so it's, it's, it's pretty pretty amazing mm-hmm. um talk about that relationship like with like how did you guys you guys circled the world right searching finding looking for different resources different answers and stuff talk about like how that you came to like how you became a part of us versus something something else well when uh when i retired it took me about a month to be bored out of my mind so i had always wanted to buy houses and rehab them and sell them but Number one, I never really had the opportunity or the the money to do it. So 
as we as the kids grown up and moved out we started having money and um, I started searching to for something to do to we became a webinar junkie. Yeah. He also <laughs> absolutely did. He, I'd come home and he'd say, I was on this webinar today. <laughs> well, even before that, though, uh, we got involved in uh, a group called uh, Fortune Builders. Mm-hmm. And I went to a half a day sem- a free seminar, and then I come back and told Pam about it and told her that I bought tickets to do a weekend seminar, which she wasn't real happy about. But because it, it was a sunny uh, weekend, fall weekend, fall weekend. So um, every, I worked in the, well, every detail she remembers. Well, I worked in an <laughs> office, you know. So the weekends were really important to me. And I, mm-hmm. he's always been the entrepreneur in our family. I've always been the one. You work hard, you make a good living, and you know. So I, I, I was never rarely on board with it. So anyway, we went to this webinar, and Pam got excited, so we bought into their system, and basically, as all we got out of it was information and how to do things four years backwards from where we were at, because mm-hmm. the, the information was outdated, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, you're always supposed to hire somebody to do your work because while you're if you do it then you're not out buying properties or you're losing money on not getting other properties well we really couldn't afford that because there's no way i could ever find a contractor to do it for the price that everybody else was saying it well because you've been a contractor you've been exactly you know how it works so exactly and it's hard to cut loose of that also you know so um, you just started doing it yourself. I yeah, I just started going back to where her telling me that I was a webinar junkie. I decided right then and there I was tired of putting money out, so I'll just sign up for thirty day. You know, most of them's got thirty days, and if you drop out, then you they they don't take your credit card. Well, that's what I did for probably about six months. You know. And then I stumbled upon Dustin Hahn with uh, the tax liens and deeds. And so I got really excited about that because it got to the point where people were getting on board with the buying the houses and flipping them, but they were asked, they were raising the prices of the house to where you really couldn't afford to, to buy it, fix it, and sell it for what they were going for. So, uh, then we got involved with Dustin Hahn. I told Pam. Well, you, you and Kenny talked several times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Several, mm-hmm. several times. And Ray kept saying, ah, my wife just doesn't want to do it. We've been burned before. She just doesn't want to do it. And Kenny would say, well, what time she get home from work? <laughs> <laughs> Ray said, oh, I better check with her first, you know. So he's the one that got us out to Houston. Yes, he, he to the live to the for, live event for the Lean on Me event, and we were really impressed. So we did buy into the system, and then the I think it was maybe the following month we found out that you and Dustin Hahn had 
splitting. Mm-hmm. And we thought, and I said, oh, here we go again. <laughs> we just put our money out, and we're not going to get anything out of it. That's exactly what I thought. But you explained it really well when, when you did split. You know, you were wanting to get involved with the people and not selling the systems, and that's what what we were looking for. So, yeah, I, I was just done with the gurus and making them money, right, and not seeing the real estate side of the students taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. I was just in a place of, of frustration, and it wasn't necessarily – didn't have a lot to do with Dustin even per se, right? It had to mm-hmm. do with the fact that I just saw a different model, a different way – Different avenue. A different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first and foremost, you know, like relationship – with the average coach mentor relationship was you give me 30 to $50,000. <clears> I'm going to set up some group conference calls. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to answer questions. I'm going to go tell you what to do. Right. And after six to 12 months, our relationship is over. Right. Mm-hmm. And good luck to you at that point. Right. Exactly. And, and I'm saying right. like, if somebody gives me, <clears throat> it's a common frustration with mine was customer service and society. Right. If somebody gives me thirty to fifty thousand dollars, that should be a lifetime relationship, right? It should mm-hmm. be, you know, a connection, a bond, you know. And and granted, people continue to earn connection and bond and, and relationship, but like that whole kick somebody to the curb, right, was 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 really kind of gross to me. Right. And then what was even grosser to me was like the one to five percent rule, which was if one to five percent of your people are succeeding, you're kicking ass. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like that's gross to me. Because if you give me that kind of money, I have an obligation, in my opinion, a responsibility to see you succeed, right? Mm -hmm. Granted, a lot of the responsibility also falls on you. Right. But I have an obligation to have a system where not 1% to 5% can succeed, where 100% could succeed, and where, you know, for us, you know, 80 to 90% do succeed, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and in the last, I think, four years, we're at 100%, right, that have, you know, succeeded on every single inner circle member, you know, joined us and made money. And that's not necessarily what the podcast is about, but it was more of that frustration with the guru business, having been a consultant and, and working in that, that world for, for a number of years. And then them also not seeing the real estate side. Right. I exactly. could never fathom how real estate gurus didn't have real estate portfolios. Right. <laughs> right. Like large <laughs> real estate portfolios made, I mean, it's just mind blowing, mind blowing to me. So right. there's where like the Dustin thing was like, I was just, at a point where I, I had a way I wanted to do business and I wanted to grow a $100 million investment fund, which were three quarters of the way to that goal, right? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to grow a $100 million education company. And I just, you know, I'm great with education. I love education. I think we teach and train as well as anybody, but I just, that's not what, how I want to make my money. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that was that was an interesting time in, in, in business for sure. For business, partnerships are hard. Right. Right. Partnerships are really hard. I mean, marriage partnerships, someone you like mm-hmm. and you love is hard. So imagine someone that you don't get to go to bed with at night that you still got to be in partnership with. Right. right. <laughs> that's pretty It's pretty intense. Have you done many partnerships over the years in business besides with us? And uh, No, not really. I mean, yeah. um, I was... Well, uh, you and Gabe were in partnership in the roofing company that you had, yeah. our son. But, but I mean, it, it was... <laughs> kind of like a family partnership you know it wasn't uh, and then when the economy come around and crashed then 
we ended up losing that because we were a union roofing and sheet metal company and they didn't you know unions didn't have any work then so um so neat yeah so i mean per se uh it was a good company but we we just went flat whenever we didn't have enough uh, capital to keep us floating for mm-hmm. a couple of years basically is what i meant yeah. And Mo- we never really had the opportunity. You always wanted to have partnership. Um, he always wanted, he was the entrepreneur. He always yeah. wanted something different. But we were, we had five kids we were raising. We had, um, we had bills. We had all these kind of things that we had to do. And I was always the one that was in charge of the money. And, and you know, we couldn't afford to do those things. So we just never did. Well, you do now. We do now, we do and we now. love it. Yes. Yeah. Wish, wish we could have had the opportunity, and we always we tell our kids now you need to take the opportunity. Don't, don't say you don't have the opportunity because if we had done it sooner, we would be further along than what we are. But yeah, we we love being in this company. We love doing everything that we do. I always um, like I try to be really careful. I always try to teach people in, but myself more than anybody, right? To be careful of echoes, right? And it's like the echo of the past, like mm-hmm. what, yep. what you would have wished you could have done in the past doesn't matter anymore. Right. Exactly. And, and like, I always like one of my echoes that I have is like when I played college baseball. Right. And, and like the, the, you know, professional versus non-professional playing more or being better, or how did I interact with coaches or teammates or different things? Like that's an echo for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I, I, I start to shift the echo to like, well, the reason, you know, I'm an entrepreneur is because I wasn't because of my experience back then, I just said, no one's going to control my future. Right. No one's going to control my destiny. No one's going to control what I do in business. No, no one. Right. And so that's what I turned that echo in to for me. Right. Cause, and I hear echoes for people all the time about their parents mm-hmm. and, and like my parents have been dead for 25 years. So I, the echo for me is a lot easier to control than someone whose parents are still alive. Right. right. And, and I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you guys have ever, Heard him, but he's a, he's a podcaster, and he was just talking about like every child at some point in time has to um, symbolize the death of a parent because if they don't ever symbolize the death of a parent, even if their parents are alive, then they never separate fully as an individual, and right. that can be a struggle. But those echoes are much harder for someone whose parents are alive and stuff. I don't know, like you guys have had a lifetime of experience. Are there are there echoes that like you kind of shift the view so that you can make them productive for you now? It's a weird question. Um, well, I, I think the echo was that you work hard and, and you make a living because that's that's what we were taught as kids. You know, yeah. you work hard, you make a living, you you get a decent wage and, and you retire and, and that that's life, Live you know. Savings and, and, your and um so our echo is that there's more out there than than to do that. You should have your own destiny, take care of how you are going to um, succeed and, and be able to retire. And I could have never retired at the age I am if we hadn't invested in real estate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't do what we're doing now if we hadn't invested in real estate. Yeah. So with, what's, what's, that, what's that feeling like, though? It's, it's like freedom. I mean, it, 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 when you wake up in the morning, if you want to go somewhere, you go. If you don't, you know, you 
You don't have to. It's weird, though, right? It it's is very weird. weird. It's strange. <laughs> it is strange. I, especially when you've worked out in construction or even just had a full-time job working all your life. I mean, it's, it's like being a kid again almost. Do you ever feel guilt? I f- what I feel guilty about is I can't be at home for everything that goes on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back in Indiana where we're from. You know, we've had some deaths of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had family deaths that we've went back for. But, you know, you just can't go back for everything. You can't go back for every wedding. You can't go back for every funeral. You can't go back for every graduation. You know, that's when I have guilt. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you have to choose your life, yeah. right? Yeah. And But you also want to choose a life of support. Right. Because cause it is a big part of life. So it's an interesting... For me, when I was thinking guilt, for me, I was thinking like I used to feel even I was years into being an entrepreneur and owning my own business when I would take a day like during the middle of the week. Right. And I'd work from home and I'd probably work during that day, but I'd work a little bit less. So I'd be a little bit less aggressive. Right. With, right. with the work day, like at the end of the day, I would just feel guilt mm-hmm. because I wasn't working. And I right. was it was so built to me, like you're saying, to to work. Right. And and to grind and to work and to and to grind. And for me. It's interesting. I did it in baseball and I burnt out. I did it as a baseball coach and I burnt out. And it wasn't until I was an executive recruiter. I remember the guy's name to this day. His name was Casey Ritchie. He was like a national director of executive recruitment at the company I worked for. And I was doing pretty well. And one day he says to me, I was working like 60, 80 hours. I was going to burn out again. And he was like, like, when are you going to stop being so effing stupid and start listening to me and doing exactly the way I tell you to do it, Dutch? And so I went to like a 30 to 40 hour work week at that point and my success shot through the roof mm-hmm. and that was kind of mind-blowing to me because my upbringing was work harder out succeed other people mm-hmm. and even with like Kobe Bryant you know I don't know if you guys are basketball people but yeah well, everybody knows who Kobe everybody is everybody knows who he is yes. but they're 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 like taking his work ethic to the high heavens yeah and outwork 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 and a lot of other people say that too but I kind of have a different opinion is 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 just work smart you know exactly. and, and and outwork smart and but i also think in life for me like like there's like a tether that you're pulling on and you kind of got to let the tether come to you and continue to pull on it because if you just try to force it then 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 like it's like you kind of destroy it like for whatever reason it doesn't work for me right. yeah i don't know if like i like retired do you kind of see what i'm do you see, I that see what you're saying yeah i i don't feel guilty doing what we do but i wished everybody could do it or everybody could see it you know when we go see something we just left the grand canyon i was like everybody has to and i know you went last year everybody has to go see the grand canyon there's just you can't explain it it's just it's unexplainable and we've seen so many things that i wished everybody you've been to zion too right yes no we have not been to zion zion is kind of like a reverse grand canyon so to me, Zion beats the Grand Canyon. Oh, does it? Okay. So the Grand so Canyon is there. like down, right? And uh-huh. you're looking at the canyon, whereas Zion is up. Up. Oh, okay. And so it's like you're seeing the canyon up, and it's just, it's just okay. The the visual experience is it's like the first time I went to Colorado as a kid, right? Yeah, we, uh, growing up in Iowa, first time I went to Colorado and I saw the mountains and the snow, mm-hmm. and the green on the mountains, I was like just blown away visually, just. 
I'd never, and you guys probably have those experiences now, RVing around oh, the country Oh, absolutely. We came from Indiana, you know, no mountains at all. It's flat. It's flat. Green. 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 Beautifully yes. green. When you're in California, you appreciate green. Uh-huh. When you're in Indiana and you go around the country, you don't appreciate green. No. <laughs> but when you're in California, you're like, man, this is, like, we were in Georgia recently, and I was like, man, this is green. Too bad you weren't there, like, maybe next month. You'd see all the changes of colors. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, being from Indiana, when we got out to uh, California, Arizona, you, you know, the desert is just it's pretty beautiful. Cool. I mean, it is really, but you have to get off the beaten path to really explore it and enjoy it. I mean, there's beauty in the desert, even though it, it looks all the same color, you know. It's funny, the freedom you're talking about is to me, lots of times just about experience. Mm -hmm. For me and the kids, like my four and five-year-old, for me, that freedom to be a present with them is, is you know, every. it's why we waited till our late 30s to have kids. Right. A lot of people love to have kids in their 20s, and then they, by the time they're 40, they're kind of empty nesters. But for us, we waited. And so for, you know, kind of the same reason as I wanted to be able to be financially in a place where I can just, you know, take that extra time with them. I can go on a Monday to a museum with them or right. You know, right. to a ball game with them, which is, which is pretty cool. But now you guys, it's all about the grandkids, right? Well, even our grandkids are older. Are they? Yeah. Our youngest is 16. Wow. Yeah. So that's why Ray, another reason why he wanted to get me out. Well, you look, young, they you look younger than Ray. So well, I am. <laughs> Um, he wanted to get me out before the grandkids started having kids because then he was sure I wasn't going to. be gonna, stuck. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. So, yeah, we was at a point in time in our life where none of them really needed us anymore. So it was time for us. We'd worked for them all these years. It was time for us. So I don't feel guilty about that at all. For so many people in America are in your situation. They're where you were five years ago, right? And we're like, they know retirement's coming. Finances are a question mark, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a question mark in the sense like oh, we, we can't retire, but it is a question mark like how are we going to retire? What's that? What lifestyle? can we do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what are we going to be able to do? And 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 so many of them are on that journey. They're like searching for some kind of answers. And 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 I don't, I don't even mean necessarily real estate, right? Real estate's mm -hmm. our answer, but but. They're searching constantly. What advice would you give them? What would you tell them? I would say follow your dream. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody is going to wants to retire down the road. So whatever, whatever. I mean, you don't have to travel to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was just one of our bucket our lists projects that we wanted to do. Uh, but you you just really need to follow your dream. And uh, and do it now. Don't put yeah, don't, don't wait and say I'm going to do that in five years. I'm going to do that in two years. We don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, you got to live today, today, and and as if it's your last. And and um, you know, we don't. Uh, people say, how long are you going to RV? We don't know. You know, I always say until Ray can't drive it anymore. When he can't drive it anymore, I guess we'll quit. <laughs> but we don't know how. You know, we're blessed that we're healthy, we're blessed that we can do it financially, and, and um, you know, don't wait. Just don't wait and, and 
think that you're going to do it tomorrow. I, I know too many people that said, oh, we were going to travel, but my husband died. Or, you know, we thought we had time. You, you got you to gotta live today. We got to thank the good Lord for good health. I mean, yeah. to, to be able to do it. Yeah. So. And health is an interesting question in today's world where so many people are health scared. Yes. So it's a it's kind of a different kind of thing. It, but on the dream thing, I find it so amazing that when the intentionality to dream becomes reality, like I'm, I'm right now, I'm going to work towards my dream. How things in the world begin to align, and 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 things begin to happen, right? That that are that you can't see to make everything okay. Right. And that's people's biggest fears. Like, am I going to be okay? Am I, you know, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be able to do this when they start working towards the dream, right? And and I find it it's fascinating how much I believe that the universe, right, conspires to to allow people's dreams to come true, but most people never truly move in the direction of a dream. Thinking about a dream does nothing. Right. And that's that's the the misnomer of like that secret, right? The movie the secret if mm-hmm. you guys have yes. yeah. mm-hmm. that's that's the part of the secret that I think is really weak is that like thinking about it doesn't do shit, Mm-mm. in my opinion. Right. But the movement towards it, right, the actual inner like action behind it, things start to align. And every time there's something that you put into like if this is if this is the dream and you have six other cups and each of these cups are slightly in the way towards the dream, the removal of each of those cups that stand in the way of the dream. It's scary. Allows the dream to be real. But it's scary in some ways. But sometimes you depend on those cups. Yes. That's the challenge, like yes. the stable income, right? Yes. That's one of that's one of the hardest ones for a lot of people in their their forties, fifties, even sixties. It's like I have a stable income, but I have this dream. Mm-hmm. But you can't achieve the dream unless you let go of the crutch. Yes. And it's it's difficult because I'm not saying it's easy even for a second. No, you know I, I it's, it's selfish of me to, to to say everybody can, because I did it in my 20s when I didn't have kids and 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 you know like what was I really going to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, right? And so for for people that have something to lose, it's a lot harder. Even for you guys, there would have been a lot less to lose than someone you know when their kids are still in their house and and different things. You might have lost your retirement, which would have been Horrible. Right. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It is. It is. I think once you retire, if you can make your life simpler. So when we got rid of, sold our house and sold all of our stuff, everything, it was really a big load off of our. Well, it was our, easier for you to get yeah, rid of things I mean, than it was me. It's just material <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stuff and it is just stuff once you figure out it's just stuff it really doesn't you know even though you may have collected it all those years you worked hard for it um at the end of the day nobody wanted it i mean we we donated most of it sold some of it but that was that was an obstacle as you were talking that was in my way and once i got past that 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 was an easy it was easy. I mean, getting rid of stuff should be someone, something people do every year of their life anyway. It's just tax-wise, financially, you should be getting rid of stuff every year. Right. But a lot of people right. don't understand tax right. code in that way. But, but donations is a good thing. Oh, it's a big really thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. So that and, and um, 
that was very freeing. You know, we didn't have all that stuff that we had to deal with. You also didn't have a monthly cost. Right. When you get rid of a lot of things in your life, you get rid of a lot of the monthly nut, Mm -hmm. which is the balance of freedom, right? Is when you can cover the nut Mm -hmm. indefinitely, then you're free. Right. Right. And that's, that's, nobody teaches that in school. Like, like here's, here's the mathematical equation. You go get a job, you get a nicer apartment. You go get a better job, you get a nicer car. You go get a better job, you get a house. Get another better job, you get a nicer house. Nobody teaches the equation that you need to understand when it comes to finances. I actually heard Shaq give one the other day, and he was talking about, you know, he was talking to some different mentors between rich and wealthy and different things, and people that were telling him, you know, we'll save 10%, right? And then he was talking to some people that, you know, that were rich, and he was like, we'll save 25%, right? Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, and, and, and forgive me if someone's out there listening and I screw this up, but he was like, Say you put 75% into production, right? That 75% of your income goes into making more income, into producing more wealth. And then you take the 25% and you do whatever the hell you want with it, right? And the rest of the world would be damned. Granted, he's dealing in a different financial right. stratosphere than other people. But I'm thinking to myself, like, man, if I was like in my 20s and I started putting 75% towards income, that, that money producing more income for me, I mean, I might have lived kind of a poverty lifestyle for a little while. But the way it would have started to accelerate would have been, I, mean, I can't imagine 30, 30 years ago what the difference of life is. Right. My kids invest. Mm-hmm. They're five years them. old. Yeah. Micah and Antonio bring me money and say, Dad, put, let me, I'm investing this so you can give me back more money. Aww. That's how they see it. <laughs> or Micah will bring me money and he'll be like, Dad, go buy me another, go buy us a house. <laughs> I don't know where they get, they find money. Like they, on the ground. In stores, little kids, they find money all the time. It's interesting. They're closer to the ground. They see they, it. They see it. <laughs> Their eyes are better, too. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What do you guys think about what's going on in the world, you know, today with, you know, politics, chaos, COVID, chaos, you know, and those kind of things? Like, just how do you guys take all that in and, and, and view all of it? To be honest, I'll say, and I think you do, too. Um, we just don't pay attention to a lot of it. You know, we, we, we do our own thing. We didn't even know, (laughs) this is going to sound really funny to a lot of people. We didn't even know COVID was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, we had, we had driven home to a funeral from Houston, came back to Houston, went to the grocery store and it was nuts in there. And we're like, what's going on? And, and seriously, we were. We had no idea that, you know, cities were shutting down, that this whole COVID was taking over. Um, we just had, we had no idea. And the riots, we stayed away from that. We just stay away from the news a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I personally, we just go out and do our own thing, and, and we don't worry about everybody else. Yeah, we stay, you know, I have a, a news on my phone that I check once in a while, but uh, as far as watching the news or stuff like that, there's so much different chaos, and everybody's got their own opinions. And uh, well, you knew who Kobe was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't know who Jordan Peterson was. So, you know, I, I can understand the context of it for sure. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we. St- we stay in smaller cities. We don't go into the big cities. Mm-hmm. You know, we do go into Houston because, uh, you know, we're 
working there. Working there. But as far as actually going into big cities, we stay away from them, go to the smaller towns because it's just a lot easier and simpler. And we can do that. Simpler. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're driving an RV, big cities are difficult. Yeah. Yeah. How How big's the. You said Fleetwood, right? It's a 37-foot Fleetwood motorhome, diesel pusher. Yeah, maybe then I'm towing so it's not that big. Is it outside? No. no. You guys are, it's at a park. Yes. And then you drove here. Yes. Yeah. She looked it's, at me like, well, it's like funny. you're such an idiot. No, because... I haven't gotten that look from you very many times <laughs> over the years. Many people will do that, though. I think oh, it's so yeah, funny. They'll say, well, I don't know if you can drive the motor home here or not. And I'm like, we don't drive it everywhere. We go, go we go to a park, we park it, we take our Jeep, we explore and we go places and we do things. And, and yeah, we don't drive the motor home all over the place. Ray drives. I try cause I'm the navigator. He calls me a navigator sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> Ray tries to, I, I try to get him. I mean, he's only behind the wheel, maybe four or five hours. That's it. You know, we're retired. We don't have to run from one place to another, and and we park, and we stay at that place as long as we care to stay. You know, we explore around, do what we want to do, pack up, move again. So, yeah, we don't drive the RV all over the place. So the there's a lot of members who want us to put RV parking at, I'm the, one of them. at, the, regional, <laughs> at the regional centers for the, for the survivalist project mm-hmm. and stuff. For you guys, how do you choose locations? Where do you go look? Like, how do you decide where you're headed as you travel? That's a good question. Well, we we look to see what we... We stay north in the summer, south in the winter. Mm -hmm. We look to see what we want to see. Like this year, we decided um, we were going to go to Washington and Oregon. And we were going to go to the Redwoods. We was going to go Northern California, but the fires kind of put a damper on that. Um, and then as far as the parks go, you know, we belong to um, a group that uh, has RV parks. And then, and then there's, there's just so many out there. So um, we want full hookup. You know, we could boondock. A lot of people boondock. And boondockings where you just go out on BLM um, mm-hmm. property and and you're you're self-contained because we are we have a generator um, and as long as we carry water we could do that um, we prefer to be more um, glamping I guess yeah, you I know mean, it's RV our life is, RV living's glamping right it's right. not it's not camping no, no right not at no. all because people it's, call it a camper and I no. say it's not our camper it's our home it's not a tent it's not a tent and um, and, and we just like to be more civil. We like to be in the parks. We like we like the security of the parks, you and know. Most of them are gated, mm-hmm. you know, that we are, we're in. So we don't have to worry about somebody ripping us off or anything like that. So. Never feel afraid. I mm. mean, so. I mean, I, I don't fight. So, in like, for me, right, I see, like, the opioid epidemic, and I see places where there's homeless and places where there's, People with addictions wandering streets and neighborhoods you never would have seen before. Right. Exactly. I don't see much of that in national parks. I don't see much of that around. I mean, I see the community. I mean, there is good and bad people everywhere in the world. Right. I see a lot fewer bad people in a wilderness group, in a in an yes. outdoorsy group. I mean, you always still need to be aware and careful in life. But I, I think 
there's a lot more safety in those numbers and in those yes. worlds than there is. And, and, you know, it's not that people that have addictions are bad people. No. But they're not in control. And that's right. what a lot of people don't understand. It's not that, like, addicts want to rob somebody or kill somebody or hurt somebody, but they're not in control. And, and well, they're kind of scary when you... They're for the next fix yeah. and, and whatever it takes to get that next fix. And the longer between fixes, the more they're willing to do... To get there. To get there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was uh, within within a few miles of wh- where I live in a, you know, really nice suburb, you know, outside of, you know, Los Angeles, you know, but we're 45 minutes away from Los Angeles, you know. Um, I, I literally, I have a bro- one of my brother-in-law's and I's houses are five minutes from each other. And he lives in a, you know, good neighborhood. And, but literally in the drive between his house and my house, I could see 10 to 15 street wanderers mm-hmm. easily, easily with addictions and that just you know that's a change in our mm-hmm. country that's kind of mind kind of mind-blowing for me yeah that's a, and i see that coming down the pipeline because of uh, the people not paying their rent eventually you know this moratorium is gonna stop and is it who knows <laughs> i don't think it is it might i don't uh, I, I don't i don't think they're gonna stop it not for some time i don't know i think society's changed forever that's really that's really my true opinion is I don't I don't think they're gonna lift the mortgage moratorium anytime soon. Um, I don't think they're gonna lift the the uh, the the eviction moratorium completely. I've lifted parts of it already actually, mm-hmm. right. but the you know I think I think it's um I think people who pay pay, and and even when they get sick and even when they struggle, people who pay pay. Right. And I think people who don't pay don't pay. Right. And um and I think when people need help, you help them. And but but help isn't continuous forever, right? And and continuous forever is dependency. It's not help, mm-hmm. exactly. And so that's kind of kind of. But I don't I don't think it's going away. I think there's going to be a homeless. I if there's videos that gosh we got to find those right. But there's videos I talked about like I was in 2018 2019. And I said the homeless pandemic that's coming is on proportions that we can't even understand. And what's what you see right now? I think two years from now it's four or five times bigger. Wow, yeah. I think, think a million people in Los Angeles, they say potentially it's a million homeless slash transient, right, um, in, in Southern California. I think it would be four to five million people in three to four years. Wow. I think that's how bad the opioid epidemic is. Mm-hmm. I think that's how bad it's coming. And people want to trust pharm- pharmaceuticals, and I'm, you know, it's kind of my anti-pharma thing. It's like you trusted them. They created the largest homeless population in the history of the world. There's nowhere in the world we've seen, in a, in a first world country, that you've seen this kind of homeless no, no. population. And it's no. all, and it's more based on the opiate epidemic than anywhere. And Lily, a company just admitted to it, you know, and they got fined billions of dollars, but they made a hundred billion and they got fined five billion dollars. Yeah. And they created the largest, you know, nobody talks about that pandemic anymore. Right. 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 You know, nobody talks about you know the distraction of COVID away from pandemic that's killing and, and destroying more a lot more lives than COVID is mm-hmm. which is you know maybe that's just my opinion but no I agree no, I agree I do yeah. too I, and you know used to the homeless was more mentally ill yeah and 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 not that an addiction isn't a mental illness but but now it's more addiction it's a chosen related. mental illness and then it becomes a non-chosen mental illness yes and that's that's the problem that's the that when, is when a big they problem. No lo- when they can no longer choose because it is a disease mm-hmm and that, you know, I grew up with addicts, addicts, so I understand. Yep, me too. Pretty deep, you know, through, you know, 
I went through the AAs and the Al-Anons and the 12 steps for a Christian and everything else. And just to understand, just to have an idea mm-hmm. of it. So you grew up with addicts too? Yes. My father was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And and actually all my uncles drank. I, I mm-hmm. thought that was just normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought all men got drunk like that. You know, I just yeah. thought it was a normal life. That's, that's just the craziness. Mm-hmm. I th- I feel like one of my oldest brothers, you know, really struggled with addiction and he's was you know been been homeless my, my he's 16 years older than me and I feel like the addictions our my, my parents had were functional when he grew up mm-hmm. and they were dysfunctional when I grew up and I think that's what helped me recognize it because it was so bad that like oh, why would anyone want to live like that right but that makes you, a lot of sense yeah because my brothers and sisters were further apart as well, and they have a different um, look on their childhood than I do. And I was the youngest, so I think that it was very dysfunctional by the mm-hmm. time I came along. Yeah, I was the youngest as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the youngest gets the worst of the addictions, I think, when mm-hmm. in, in, in those kind of families. I, I was uh, his, one of his sons. I, we went to a funeral recently, and I was, got a chance to spend t- with one of his sons, right? And, and his son had that that great perspective of, of having seen what his dad had been through and been through his own challenges, right? But but he's doing really well, and he's like, <clears throat> so there's a conversation came up about his dad, and he's like, well, my dad's a grown ass man, so he'll he'll figure out what he's going to do, and it's nothing Good to do for with him. what I'm going to do. Uh-huh. But that's hard for someone in their twenties, almost yeah. impossible. Almost impossible. Almost impossible. I was sixteen or seventeen when I I was sixteen when I said I'm done, and I completely cut them out of my lives and and there's some pain with that but I could never have become who I needed to become by continuing to have them as a part of my lives and they right. passed away by the time I was 20 saying but that but my older brothers none of them had that choice mm-hmm. fortunately my dad quit drinking seven years before he died but he mm-hmm. died very young you know he was 50 57 when he died and I think fortunately too my dad quit drinking before before he died too but his mental state was already gone Mm-hmm. I think with my oldest brother, I think he's, you know, mentally fighting that that kind of challenge from the time where he, you know, went through what he went through, and I think that's something that people don't talk about with addicts either. Is no. like even even if they they stop giving into the addiction, the disease doesn't go away, but they stop giving into the addiction, and they fought the addiction. The mental state for many of them will never be the same, right? Right. Which is you know a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. So now that we let the Conversation turned quite quite morbid for a little bit. Just <laughs> uh, life. Just just life. Mm-hmm. I think that's the interesting part is we're all living life, mm-hmm. and there's the respect of other people living life is something that I feel in America is really a difficult conversation. You know, I see that as as like like with the vaccines one like I people get vaccinated I respect them, mm-hmm. I stand behind them. Good for you. That's your choice you made. I have family, you know, that made that choice. If somebody wants to make the choice not to be vaccine, and I have family that's chosen not to be vaccine, I respect them, and that's their life, and I, I choose it. So I don't know. It, it's interesting when you look at people care too much about how somebody lives their individual life, I think. Yeah, I do too. And I think, back to our RVN, it just worked out to be a great time. I mean, we went in 2019 in the fall, and then the pandemic hit, you know. Um, yeah, for em- emptier parks or... The parks are just as full. Um, they were empty. 
a lot of some of them were empty, but then it, for a while, and then a lot of homeschooling, a lot of families. There's a lot more families than just couples. Um, what we noticed in the RV parks is is the you know the clubhouses being closed and and the pools being closed and things like that. But other than that, I mean, our life went on, and and we didn't even really think about the pandemic as as it's can as it's consumed so many others. Mm-hmm. You know, we just we just really haven't. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating because a large part of the American population is in cities, mm-hmm. and so you know you call them city folk. I grew up in cities. I live outside of one of the biggest cities. Um, and it's interesting because for them to think about not it not being a present part of their everyday life is almost impossible for, for you know, 60% yes. of America. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our friends would say, now be safe. You know, that city, they, they've got a lot of, you know, um, COVID, cases. COVID cases. and now, have, you guys, pe- have you guys caught it? Have you? No. no, gotten COVID. No, yeah, I I need to get one of the antibody tests because I I you know believe I may have may have caught it, but I've been tested a lot because of different you know environments where I have to get tested on a a regular 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 basis. We've been through uh, multiple phases here with the company where I think one phase we went through with a marketing team went through it pretty pretty intensely, and then we had another one of our teams here that went through it pretty intensely. And it's funny we have a quite a few people that vaccinated that got COVID and people that were unvaccinated that got COVID. And so we've, we've experienced both. And, you know, it's, it's just fascinating because here in our company, I think there's a lot of respect and understanding of what everybody's going through and a lot of support, but we just went through a COVID scare uh, for 24 hours ago, but nobody ended up having it, which was, yeah, we were here for really that. Blessing. That was our first testing. <laughs> what, what did that? Oh, <laughs> that, that was, was our, our first, first. Oh, you guys testing. went and got tested. Yeah. yeah Cause we were here. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? It was an experience. It, it was, <laughs> you know what? I, uh, he didn't think it was bad. I did, yeah. I, I Which one did you do? Did you do the the cotton tip up the nose? Mm-hmm. I sneeze like crazy. I can't control it. <laughs> it's uh, the poor person. I always warn them. Maybe that's why he said. Like, I cannot. We I, went to the same place you did, and he said, oh, "If you're you? going to sneeze or cough, you need to let me know." <laughs> I let him know beforehand. I said before we even start, just know I'm going to sneeze. Like I can't. I mean, I'll cover and everything, but right. mm-hmm. I, I can't. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, something bad. that far up my nose. I can't, yeah. can't stop it. So. That's, uh, like a tingle or, uh, you know, like you're going to sneeze. But. Even in sports, if I got hit in the nose, I would start sneezing crazily. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like whatever for reaction for me. So, <laughs> good. Also. Yeah, that was our first experience. Good. Welcome to California. Welcome That's to what California. we were told. <laughs> <laughs> you got to California and you had to get a COVID test. <laughs> We've been all over, and yeah, cool. but but again, you know, we were in proximity. We was in an office. We're not usually that way. We're not usually yeah. we're I mean, out I, and about. I mean, I think the great thing about COVID is like, I believe in being an immunity beast, right? And what I mean by that is, I believe in taking the things in life that keep my immune system incredibly high. You know, high vitamin D and high vitamin C, and you know, a decent amount of exercise. And I'm not a exercise. Not like some people, you know, good for, for them. I wish I was. But I wish I was too. Right, don't we all? <laughs> but my eating, you know, I try to keep pretty pretty, pretty strong and, and the other vitamins and things. But I've been faced with it like probably a half dozen times with people I know afterwards had COVID and I didn't get it. So I've been really, really, really lucky and, and blessed. We've had a few people in the, you know, around our circles that have passed away 
from it. And mo- I mean, all of them, I know for a fact, had, you know, other things going on in their life at the same time, right. you know, health-wise. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting time. Well, and I think um, the immunity is the, the key there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we get vitamin D from being outside, too. You know, we're out in the sun. We're out. Um, and I And my opinion, I just, I just hate the mask thing. I just hate it. If we go somewhere and we have to wear a mask, we just don't go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if I'm in a place and somebody asks me to wear a mask, I put it on because it's not worth exactly. the discussion or conversation. Exactly. And I do it really as politely because half the time they're enforcing someone else's rules. Right. And they don't want to have a discussion about it anymore no. than anyone else. But but there is proven science that impeding someone's breathing is bad for an immune system. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand the the protection, uh, you know, trying trying to be respectful and and of, of of other people because it makes people other certain people really uncomfortable. Like when I see yeah, people driving in their cars with masks on or or walking down the street by themselves with a dog and and yeah. they're out for a hike and they're by themselves, nobody within a long distance, and they're wearing a mask. I just feel empathy. I do too. You know that that they're that have that much fear in their life. So mm-hmm. these guys are writing something like. Like it's time to wrap it up, but we can we can wrap it up anyways. So. <laughs> Ray's already talked more today than he likes to talk, and any than he ever likes to talk. Well, um, Kenny says he doesn't smile. I see Ray smiles all the time. I know time. he does now. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm happy too. So that's a good good feeling. It is a good freedom, feeling. Freedom does that for freedom you. Freedom does that for you. It really does. Cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks for asking thanks us. For asking. I I just. With what we do, I just feel it's like people hear from me or they hear us teach or they hear something. I think something like this is just so much more real for people understanding, like, there is a better way. There's a better path. There's, you know, I, I hate to use the word awakening because people think that, you know, like with woke culture, that's not what we mean. There's just, I think when you struggle and you fight for a lifetime and you wake up to a better way, you know, the more you can do that for other people is kind of a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we've learned a lot from you, a whole lot. We really have. Well, and, and we've enjoyed it. And also, I mean, it's like you're like family. <laughs> I mean, we've been together for so long. Dory, I mean, I, I've. You got to tell us. I love us. him to pieces. He, he's awesome. Yeah, my know. brother's a giver. He is a giver. He is. He's a big giver. He's got a, a big, big-ass heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I have any issues in Houston. I just call him, and me and him think alike. So we and Molly work. and I think alike. <laughs> so Ray, Ray calls, yeah, Ray calls Dory, and I call Molly. <laughs> it's a uh, people would criticize at one point for being a family based business, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, you can't grow a big business as a family based business. You can't grow a big business, you know, with this or that." And, and I think. I've realized that the, like one of the true powers of our business is like is is the the family mm-hmm. and and the 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 extended family unit right. My brother Dory and Molly run you know Philadelphia and property management for the company. Dory runs all residential real estate for the company, right? Um, my brother in law Vinny runs social media. My sister in law is our director of HR, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my wife does media buying for the company. My business partner Amy is family. You know, um, and she has numerous people that are 
part of her inner circle that worked with the company, right? I remember we had a void in our marketing department, and I went through and called a friend, right, that, that I had known for a long time. I hadn't talked to him in a few years, but knew for a long time and came on board and joined the company, right? And, you know, it's funny, Dusty, you know, who's, you know, in charge of ranches and, and mm-hmm. ranch acquisition. I knew him for years, you know, as a friend before I asked him to come on board mm-hmm. and work with the company. But I think great people make great people. It doesn't matter. If they're family or not. Yeah. Absolutely. So, it's there's family you choose and family you're born with too. So, Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Hard Money Podcast with Dutch Mendenhall. Don't forget to visit our website, economicactivist.com. That's www.economicactivist.com.